You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome into Loho Daily. I am Loho, a.k.a. Lawrence Holmes. I love this. This is the part of the week when I get the opportunity to preview the game that's coming up between the Bears. And this week, the opponent is the New York football Giants. Let me just kind of go back a little bit over last week's game. I really enjoyed seeing some of the different wrinkles that Matt Nagy brought to the table, and I hope it's a trend that continues. If you looked, you saw them commit to the run and average four and a half yards per carry. They they spread the wealth around. It wasn't just David Montgomery's going to get it 20 times, and that's the way that it's going to work. They were able to use all of the backs in, I thought, some fairly creative ways. I'm going to go more in-depth on that a little bit later on. They even used Tariq in between the tackles, and I thought that that was a smart change-up for the Bears as they, they, they took on and rallied to come back and beat the Detroit Lions. Because, you know, Lions going to Lions and all that good stuff. I wanted to start with some good news from the injury report. And that new good news is that Robert Quinn practiced fully on Friday. Now, here's the thing about the practices on Friday. Friday practices are usually a little bit more laid back. And in some cases, they're a walkthrough. He's still listed as questionable on the final stat game status. He and Khalil Mack are listed as questionable. Other than that, the Bears are healthy and ready to go. But it was a step in the right direction that Quinn was able to go and do some work on Friday with that ankle that he's been dealing with. I think it would be great for... This would be the game. If you're looking for a game to to come back for, this would be the game for you to do that. Because the Giants' offensive line is one of the big issues that we need to talk about as the Bears match up with them. They struggled mightily against Pittsburgh. The Giants lost 26-16 to to Pittsburgh on Monday Night Football. They actually had a 10-3 lead in this game and ended up giving up 23 unanswered points. That's not on the offensive line, although if they could have sustained some drives, it maybe would have slowed Pittsburgh down a little bit. This offensive line has got a lot of new parts to it, and they struggled. In the run game, Saquon Barkley had 15 carries for six yards. That's right. 15 carries, six yards. He was really effective for them in the passing game, and that is something that I have some concern about because the Bears linebackers, in my opinion, didn't play as well as they're capable of playing. I think that it's rust. I think it was just a matter of not having a preseason, which is why Roquan Smith and Danny Trevathan looked a little bit off of their game. I expect for them to be better, but them getting matched up with Saquon Barkley in the pass game is something that I'm going to pay attention to. But back to the Giants and their issues in the run game. Jason Garrett is their offensive coordinator. Don't know if you knew that. Here's what he said were the problems that the offensive line of the Giants had last week against Pittsburgh. 
Well, obviously, they're a very challenging defense. They're a great defensive front, and they've been a very good run defense for a long, long time. They came into the game with the idea of, of not letting us run the football with, based on what they played and, and how they played it. Uh, having said that, we didn't run the ball the way we needed to run it. Uh, e even when you're playing against teams that are, that are really concerned and focused on taking the run away, you have to find ways to do it. And, and I think if you look at the different runs we had, there were examples of situations where we got beat. Uh, their guys simply beat our guy. There were examples where we didn't communicate well together and we weren't on the same page. And, uh, and those are things we just simply have to clean up going forward. But, you know, we strive to be a balanced team, to attack different ways. It starts with run and pass, and we have to do a better job running the football. There are some mitigating circumstances here. There's been a lot of turnover on the Giants' offensive line, and they had some communication breakdown. Communication breakdown! On their offensive line. Guys weren't handing off on in the passing game. This is a place where I think the Bears might be able to do some real damage against the Giants. I would love to see the Bears twist and stunt on their defensive line until we see that the Giants can do a better job of communicating than what they did in the game against Pittsburgh. Because Pittsburgh was using twists and stunts all game long, and they were getting tremendous pressure on Daniel Jones. Charles Davis is one of my favorites. He's actually going to be doing color commentary for the Bears game. And remember, the game is on CBS. So you get Ian Eagle and you get Charles Davis. This is going to be a much more enjoyable watch for you than last week because it was a quick change to bring in Dick Stockton. He didn't have a lot of time to prepare. He hadn't really worked with Jonathan Vilma. So it was a little off. This is a much better group. Ian Eagle is one of the best play-by-play -play guys in America in any sport, and Charles Davis is tremendous. Here's him breaking down the issues that the Giants' offensive line had. The offensive line last year, two guards are the same, Kevin Zeitler and Will Hernandez, and those are two guards who can play anywhere. They're very good players. All right, Hernandez needs to take a jump up again from what he was last year. Center? was a converted tackle guard. First time he played center was against Pittsburgh. Nick Gates. Mm -hmm. Left tackle, rookie, number four overall pick, Andrew Thomas. They had expected to play him at right tackle this year with Nate Solder, but Nate opted out, and understandably so with what was going on in his family. And then the right tackle is Pam Fleming, who's played New England and Dallas and 20-something starts in his career, but not expected to truly be a starter, more of a swing tackle. And so they're trying to figure it out, and they couldn't block you know, Pittsburgh just beat them up up front, and, and Saquon Barkley paid the price for it. I know a lot of people are criticizing and got to quit dancing, got to quit. I, he didn't have a chance to dance much on, on Monday night. He was hit 10 times in the backfield on 15 carries. Ended wow. up with eight negative runs. That's not, that's not just a, a running back being indecisive. He was getting the ball and getting hit back there. You know, it was, it was a tough night for him and for his team. I think they'll play much better on the offensive line first night out. Week two is always better, but we'll see what that means against a pretty good Chicago front. Having Robert Quinn out there and them being able to run some games, whether you're talking about an, an, an end to tackle twist or stunt or a tackle to end, the ET to TE stunt, 
I think that they can still take advantage of it. Yes, the game does help, and getting to work off of game film should help the offensive line of the Giants. But I think that there are going to be some opportunities for your I. If there's any bold prediction that I have, it's a prediction of Robert Quinn or Khalil Mack getting a sack in this game, running through the middle of the Giants line, like them twisting into the middle of the line to get after Daniel Jones. It's something that I'm going to be paying really close attention to. It's fascinating to to go back and watch. I spent the morning going back and watching the, the Steelers-Giants game. When it comes to Daniel Jones, I'm just not convinced. I wasn't convinced when they drafted him, and I know that he had that incredible first game, and people got excited, and David Gettleman was was bragging about this pick that they jumped up. It was a quarterback that they could have gotten later. They ended up drafting him six. I don't think he's trash. I, I think that there's something there, but I don't know if it's a transformative quarterback that is going to lead your franchise for years and years to come. I think it's probably more likely that he's a, he's a guy that stays around the NFL for a really long time, but never is great. That leads us to talking about the DBs of the Bears. I thought that Jalen Johnson throughout the game got picked on last week. And I thought that he got better. I the the game flow, the game action for me I thought was pretty dope for him that he was able to okay, they they're going to come after me. Cool. Now watch me learn and then by the end of the game he looked as confident as he was playing in Utah. There should be opportunities for the Bears DBs to get downhill. There is one matchup outside. I was talking about Saquon Barkley versus the linebackers. Evan Ingram is problematic in the pass game. He is a a, a big target. He's athletic. He can make plays down the field. His blocking's not great, and and that should, again, open up opportunities for Khalil Mack and, and Robert Quinn, depending on what line, what side of the line he is lined up on. But he is an athlete at that tight end position that can cause some problems, and we'll see how the Bears end up matching up. On the flip side of that, I want to flip that around a little bit and talk about some of the formational stuff that the Bears did last week. That was exciting. It was really exciting to see the creativity of Matt Nagy come to the forefront. It was it was cool. Like I was impressed by what I saw and the way that they approached going after it. Dan Durkin is, is my film guy. I like to break stuff down with him quite a bit. Here's what he told me about the way the Bears were able to run the ball last week how they're using Jimmy Graham, and what some of that formational diversity is going to be able to allow the Bears to do. So what what I liked a lot from uh, just like I I think Juan Castillo's influences on this is like a zone-based run scheme is you saw Mitch underneath center a little bit more than you've probably been accustomed to over, over the last couple of years. And why why I answer that it, that way about a question about the tight end is you're going to see more uh, play action and boots off of that outside zone and that stretch play that the, the Bears ran a lot. They they ran it with uh, you know David Montgomery. They ran it with Cordell Cordell Patterson. But 
when you run those types of plays and they were, the bears are running it out of like 13 personnel and 12 personnel is you get the defense, you're giving the illusion of run. And so once those linebackers start biting down like that, you bring that, that tight end on those drags and those crossers. And they did that a couple of times with Graham. So I, I'm interested to see how, if they do continue to make the commitments to that outside zone and that stretch run game, you're going to get Mitch on the, on the perimeter. He, he throws better on the run to begin with. You're cutting the field in half, so you're giving him a, a shorter uh, amount of reads to make, a smaller amount of reads to make. And I, I just think that that really lends itself well to the tight ends to put a defender, typically a linebacker, sometimes a, a safety, in a trail position. And, and Graham's still going to be able to win those. He's a big body. He, he, he catches the ball you know, very, very well. So I think that that's, that's one aspect. But you have to like the Y-ISO that they ran, too, on, on the first touchdown, the, the ability to split him out get the defense to declare he's typically taller than whoever it is that's going to be covering him. He, he, he's a matchup problem in that. So I, I think the tight end pro- productivity will increase over time, but um, really look for him on those drag routes off of play action and then just being able to, to line them up on the outside in the red zone. What did you think of the formational diversity that we saw from Matt Nagy in this game? I, I liked it, and I, I think that you know a, a lot more um, heavy personnel that we've grown accustomed in the past, and they were they were throwing play action off of it. So w- when you run two and three tight end personnel, what are you doing? You're minimizing the number of defensive backs in the game. You're getting them to match up with bigger personnel. So if the defense has to respect your run game, you're going to have uh, you know opportunities to to actually make the play action work for you. So you saw them hit Darnell Mooney off of that a couple times as well. So I liked to see him using uh, the the different pieces that he has and, and really getting the defense um, you know into a situation where the the offense can find some matchup advantages. A lot of two man route combinations came out of those, but that's fine if you get the defense to bite and you create that void between the the top of the defense and the linebackers. There's a lot of room for the wide receivers to work. So like that very much, but I think the the biggest positive for me, like outside of just the play of of you know Anthony Miller and Allen Robinson, who were fantastic, was um, I, I really liked the, what I saw from the offensive line. You know, there, there's still room for improvement, but um, I think that this this zone scheme fits them a, a little bit better. I, I think that they really got a nice solve with uh, a Fetty at guard. He wasn't great, but clear, clearly an upgrade over what they were running out there last year. So. I thought that the offensive line and the commitment to the run game was really encouraging to see. It was, and I'm going to get back to that in a minute, but I I want to spend some time talking about Jimmy Graham. It looked like in this game it took a bit for the timing to match up between Mitch and Jimmy Graham. It eventually got there. It looked like Graham was jumping too early, but they eventually got there, and the misses early on, I'm not putting those on Mitch. I actually thought that a couple of those balls were, were placed in the perfect spot for Jimmy Graham to get loose. If there's an, a, a game where you like a tight end matchup, this is it. I like Jimmy Graham versus Jabril Peppers, the safety for the Giants. I think that there, there is an opportunity there for Jimmy to get loose yet again. In the red zone in particular, but even in the middle of the field, I think that there are some plays that can be made if, if the protection is there and allows Graham to get downfield. The offensive line for the Bears played well. Let's not sugarcoat it. They played well last week. They did a good job of establishing the run, and again, that goes back to Nagy being cool with committing to it. You had them 
do some uh, different things with the run game where it's like, here's a little bit of Montgomery, here's a little bit of Patterson, here's a little bit of Tariq, and we're going to use Tariq in between the tackles, and that's not where you would expect the smallest guy on the field to go, but they use that effectively, and I think that 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 sets a lot of cool things up. The other part of it, the Bears were one of the worst teams in football last year percentage-wise, when we were talking about using play action. I think that it is a vital part to trying to make Mitch a better quarterback. If if you've made the decision, and who knows, at the 10-minute mark of the fourth quarter, I think a lot of people were getting ready for Nick Foles to play, and you were right in in thinking that. We saw that the, the, the Lions went back to man defense late in the game and it cost them. There have been a couple of theories on why they did that. My whole thing is if you don't have in a anything put in your defense that allows for them to play a safer version of defense up 17 points, if you don't have prevent rules already in your defense, then you deserve to lose. The Giants play a base 3-4. They play a lot of man. There are going to be some opportunities yet again for Mitch to make some plays in the pass game. And and if they play a ton of man, Anthony Miller and Allen Robinson are going to beat them in, uh, in man. Anthony Miller versus man is almost unfair. I really like the way that he runs routes when he understands that there's man coverage. I think that he takes it very personally. It's not, you know what, I, I'm going to try and, get into a press conference this week or maybe maybe have Emma or someone ask that question for me. I feel that that's one of those guys where he he looks at it like, how dare you? Like, how dare you play man against me? And when he gets the opportunity, he he is a a man defense beater, and it's really, really cool. The run game was so so well done and the idea of having Mitch under center instead of out of the shotgun or out of the pistol I think makes a difference in him I think it makes him a better quarterback I also think that there are some dividends with the run game I didn't understand how deep those dividends in the run game went until I had a conversation with Matt Forte about it and he did an incredible job of breaking down why it looks and feels different when a team is running with the quarterback under center versus in shotgun or pistol. Well, for one thing, I know I I, I never really faced any six-man or seven-man boxes. It's always eight and nine guys in the box. So when you do that, that gives the guys on the outside a chance to be one-on-one, those matchups, or – if they're doubling somebody, somebody else is ha- having a matchup where they're going to be open. And like you said, going under center, that adds to the play-action game. Um, I couldn't stand when we would run the ball out of the gun constantly and then try to do play-action from under center. They know we're not going to run the – you know, uh, they, they notice that, those things, those tendencies. But also, if we haven't been running, you know, from the eye, what would make them think that we're going to hand it off this time? So – um, this is a consistency part of, of staying with formations like that, I think is a big change from last year because they were in the gun a lot last year. And um, as a running back, too, I know David and, and probably, uh, you know, even Tariq and, and Cordero, they probably like running from, 
under you know when the quarterback's under center because you get a you get a, a a longer start and get and let the play develop. You let your blocks develop, um, and and you're able to see more of the field than uh, being on one side of the quarterback and having to you know let the floor of the defense go. It's, it's harder to do that from the gun, especially in the NFL. So if you're doing like zone read stuff and and you're able or zone run play, like you're able to find where that cutback lane is easier out of under center than versus a shotgun? Yeah, definitely. You know, in the shotgun, you're you're at five, five and a half yards. Um, usually under center, you know, I would actually get back almost close to eight yards, but usually people are at seven because um, I would get to the line of scrimmage almost too fast sometimes. So I would back up a little bit. And I actually learned that from Thomas Jones watching his film. He used to be almost out of the screen when he was playing for the Bears. And so I would back up a little bit, um, you know, take your zone steps and really let the floor of the defense consider where you can go. Because when you have the vision, uh, you really let the defense determine, you know, where you're going to go. You, you you know, let them pick and choose the hole and let the offense align, uh, do their job. And then you can you can be able to set up blocks. That's the good thing about being in the, in the eye uh, is to be able to set up blocks because – there's times where you can run an inside zone, and you know these you know guys have been playing for years. They know what an inside zone looks like. They know where the cutback's supposed to go, and if you're a cutback runner, they kind of predict where you you know you you your tendencies are doing that. So sometimes you could cut back and then go back to the front side and set up your blocks that way, and that comes with experience and obviously running the ball too. But um, you can't really do that out of the gun. So that shows growth to me. I I really liked what I saw from Matt Nagy offensively, and I know that a lot of it didn't work. I know that the fourth quarter is great deodorant for what happened in the first three quarters of it, but I appreciate that there was a point in the third quarter where I want to say the Bears were down two touchdowns, and they came out and ran the ball, and I was honestly surprised and pleasantly surprised that they did that. It felt like that those were games in the past where Negi is like, screw it. We are going to put the ball up in the air. We're going to do some of this horizontal passing to try to get the ball down the field instead of vertical stuff. And hopefully we can break a big play. They stuck with the run, and I think that that, that breeds a lot of confidence in not just the quarterback but the offensive line. I expect that they will do that again this week the Bears with Mitchell Trubisky under center I've always felt that when you run that when you run stuff I mean you run play action under center it takes some getting used to the idea of turning your back to the defense and trying to read it at the same time that's why a lot of quarterbacks on every level that you see the game being played on that's why there isn't a lot of that Usually it's just learning how to do victory formation. That's usually the only time that you get an opportunity to see guys take the ball from under center. It's dangerous. It takes practice. It takes a lot of trust. It takes a lot of film study to understand that, yes, you're going you're gonna to go through with this play fake, and you have to trust that the guys on the offensive line did their job and that there's going to be a hold of those linebackers, that they have to stay where they are to figure out if there's a run that's getting ready to happen. 
I think it, it will help Mitch if they do more of it. And at least in the first week, I'm, I'm very pleased to see that the Bears are looking at it more consistently. A couple other notes. Weather is going to be perfect at Soldier Field on Sunday. It's going to be perfect out there to play football. I went for a bike ride this morning, and this is the type of air. Like, this feels like football weather. Like, it was chilly. It was like 48 degrees when I left. It's tomorrow is going to be ideal. I think the high is going to be 70. And it's going to be a little cool to kick off and then get a little warmer, but it'll be just fine. There's one area of concern outside of all. I'm not worried about the Giants defense at all. I I, I feel bad and I'll, I'll feel real bad if they end up making some great plays. I don't think their defense is very good. I do worry about Jabril Peppers in the return game on special teams. That is something that I'm I, I'm going to pay close attention to, and I imagine that the Bears have worked through this throughout this week. But here we are, week two, game two. Bears-Giants, noon, on CBS. And remember, the game is on CBS. I know that that's a game that sounds like it should be on Fox because it's two NFC teams, but this is one of those crossover games, so... Make sure you know that the game is going to be on CBS. Ian Eagle and Charles Davis are going to have the call. And I'll have a post-game pod on House of L. Please go subscribe to House of L. Uh, It's my little side project that I do. I got some great interviews on there, including one with Steve Rosenblum. But each one of the post-game pods is going to live on House of L. Pre-game pods live on Loho Daily. Post-game pods live on House of L. And maybe next week, make next week, maybe tomorrow, we won't have to worry about no hitters being thrown. Because it completely threw me off last week. Where I'm like, wait, am I supposed to be doing Bears post-game or checking out what Alec Mills is doing? But I'll try to get you all the information from inside the Bears locker room, get you some post-game sound, all of that good stuff. I love doing these. I love creating them. Uh, from the response that last week's pod got, you seem to love listening to them, and I appreciate your support. Thank you so much. If you don't get the post game pod, and you should, I'll be on the score at noon on Monday. So set it, set the dial, tell Alexa to play the score, all of that good stuff, and I'll see you then. But thanks for your support of what we do each week and every week before a game. We got you covered right here. Talk to you next time.